Hello, Internet. This is Genius Cast with Scott and Mike. I'm Scott Green, along with Mike Botta, here to talk about Episode 2 of Season 4 of The Genius. A quick note before we start, if you're new to the podcast, this podcast contains massive spoilers for Seasons 1, 2, and 3 of The Genius, as well as all episodes of Season 4 through this point. Episodes 1 and 2, uh, we will be spoiling everything. So if you have not yet watched that much of The Genius... What is wrong with you? Go do it right now. Come back to us after your binge watch. Uh, we'll be here. Get some sleep when you're done, because you may not be able to stop during the uh, the 40 hours or so it's going to take you. And uh, we'll, we'll be here. We're ready. Yeah, if you somehow thought this was a podcast about 80s professional wrestler, the genius Lanny Poffo, you're sadly mistaken. And come back when you watch the show. You'll be better off for it. How many other uh, genius uh, references did you did you Google before you came up with that one? I, sadly, I knew that off the top of my head. I watched too much professional wrestling when I was a little kid. Sadly, is a really good adverb. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so yeah, episode two of The Genius. Uh, before we get started also, I should mention you should follow me on Twitter. I am at whoisscottgreen. Mike, go ahead, give uh, give your handle. I'm at Michael Botta because at Mike Botta was taken. Yeah, right. So follow both. Follow Michael Botta and you can follow Mike Botta if you want. Uh, I hear, can't I hear be... good things. Yeah. 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 That, that guy's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Episode two, the uh, second episode. That's what I'm. That's a that's a good nickname for it, right? It rolls off the tongue. Yeah. All right. Very natural. Uh, we come back. We have our recap of episode one. Jung Hyun walks into the sea. Very sadly. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. Sangman did it. Uh, I, yeah. You gotta. I mean, you gotta be excited. It's always fun to see Sangman pull it out, even if he does it in a way that kind of makes you question why he would do something that aggressive. He did it. And now I think, I mean, the two of us, when we spoke after episode one, I think we had that moment of, is this going to come back to bite him after this? But in episode two, he, he's able to get right back in the swing of things. People trust him again. And it is great. Yeah. He seems not to face any repercussions. I mean, it's, there's, there's an extent to which it's fun to watch Sangman do it, but when it, he's doing it like in episode one, where there doesn't seem to be any real benefit to him. I mean, he, he got an extra garnet out of it, but where he seems to be just doing it because that's he's Sangman and that's what he does. Uh, there's, it's fun to see other players react to it, but I, I'd rather see him do these things in a way that uh, that makes strategic sense for him and not just him hamming it up and playing Sangman for television. So hopefully, hopefully we'll get more throughout the season of Sangman uh, being Sangman in a way that's more advantageous to Sangman and not advantageous for the the theatrics of that episode, or else he could wind him, he could find himself uh, with a swift kick in the rear. Yeah, and I, ultimately I agree with you. I think the, the one thing that really works in his favor is the fact that this episode ends up being a Garnet match. Uh, and obviously that won't work in Johan's favor, just as we would have expected. But you have got to think, the fact that he does have that, I mean, it is only one garment, Garnet, but it's twice as many Garnets as anybody else has. So he starts off you know, with a helpful lead going into a match where Garnets actually matter. And yeah, for we'll Sangman to for Sangman to lose this match, uh, he would have had to have gotten zero garnets, and every single other player would have had to have gotten, uh, or I, I should say, uh, every single player would have needed at least one, and two players in particular would have needed at least two just to tie him. So he he was put him he did put himself in a great position for two games by doing what he did in the first one. But what he didn't do is he didn't put himself in a position of guaranteed safety for the second one because of what he did in the first one. He just put himself in a position where he wasn't. Uh, he was almost certainly not going to be last. But that's not all it is. You can still get picked for a death match. And if anybody's harboring resentment and remembers his performance against Qumran uh, at the end of Season 1, uh, you you might pick him anyway. But uh, anyway, that doesn't happen in this episode because he winds up winning again because he's Sangman. And, yep. you know, watch as I, as I, as I say these things, he's going to rattle off another nine main match victories in a row or whatever he did in Season 2. And I would say, like, we're used to saying that Sangman gets these incredible draws, and he really does get another one here. The fact that this is a Garnet match after he has just moved heaven and earth to get that one extra Garnet works out great. Good job, yep. Sangman. Yep, and we come in, and, and everyone's gathered around the table, and no one's saying, Sangman, you bastard. They're saying, oh, Kyung-hoon, you bastard. Uh, Kyung-hoon is, is Sangman's dog. He's, he's running around the table. No one wants to be near him. He's poison, and Sangman's just Sangman. They, they joke about how Dongman was telling him Hey, you know, if uh, if anybody betrays us, that person is going to be targeted. Everyone's like, ah, ha, 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 saying we did it anyway, and we don't really care. Yeah, he gets his round of applause. It's a great moment. Uh, following up on the behind-the-scenes <laughs> clip from last week, if you didn't catch that, check it out. Um, though the thing that I note here is just 
Kyung Hoon is so obvious about it. He is so way over the top obvious about it that it just it made me question: Is it intentional? Like, is he doing this to you know try to throw the blame back onto Sangman and get some of the heat off of himself? Uh, because it's just so over the top that it just makes me think: Why in your right mind would you be saying this stuff in front of the entire group? Yeah, I don't. I don't think Kyung Hoon has a great filter. I think he. You know, you remember in, in season three when he got eliminated, he was in tears. He, he The genius meant so much to him, and he couldn't believe he was lucky enough to get a chance to play, and uh, he, he just went way overboard. And it seems like he's got not just this emotional attachment to the game, but this chip on his shoulder because he did so poorly. Like, you look at someone like Jun Sayak, who did even worse, the first eliminated in season one, but the game doesn't mean as much to Jun Sayak. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't put as much of his own personal self-worth and in in how he does in the game. And I think that comes across that, that for Kyung-hoon, like he's, he's plenty to define himself by the genius. And I think he's a young guy. I mean, he's a, he's a student, right? He's probably what, 23 years old, something like that. That sounds about right. And yeah, if I had to guess, he doesn't have that much going on outside of the genius right now. Yeah. The thing with Ah Young seemed not to have worked out. So, Oh man, if only we all had something going on with Ah Young outside of the genius. (laughs) Uh, So, we are around the table. Everyone is is chit chatting. Kyung Hoon announces that he's Sangman's dog. We go to the opening credits, and we come back to find out that today's game is Horror Race. And my first thought was, oh, do not be Middle Race, please, please, do not be Middle Race. Do not be Middle Race. Whatever you do, don't let Horror Race be Middle Race. Don't be Middle Race. Thank God, I still don't understand Middle Race. I will be the first to admit, at least don't the first version of, of Middle Race. I think it was hard. Um, I love the moment where they're going around. They explain what it, just the name of what it's going to be, and they get a face cut of everybody, and they all look horrified or scared or you know nervous for what it's going to be. Except again for K Hound, who's like, "Oh, that sounds great! I love horror races. Fantastic! Let's do this." <laughs> Which it just feels right. Yeah. Uh, so we find out that in this game, each player gets five discs. Uh, one uh, is a red vampire. One is a blue Jiangshi. One is a yellow gummy ho. There's a white mummy and a green zombie. And each player gets to pick two of these items that they will be that will be their characters. You want to take it from here, yeah. Mark? Yeah. So they pick two out of the five, and then when you go into the room to actually give those to the dealer, the remaining three that you didn't choose get put into a holding box. Uh, then the players draw an order, and once they have, you are going to reach into that holding box and you're going to pull out three coins from the combined. You know, discards of everyone who has already chosen their their characters. Uh, once you've drawn your three coins, you're going to put them on a square on the board uh, that would have them moving either one, two, or four spaces. And then after everyone has put their pieces down, the character with the most coins in each of the squares would move the number of spaces that were written on that square. So if you had the most uh, character pieces in the square marked two, You'd move two spaces, the most in four, you'd move four spaces, etc. cetera. Uh, then there are some rules for tiebreakers and things. So if there was a tie between the characters uh, having the most coins in the square, then the character with the second most coins in that square would be the one that gets to move. Yep, and, very important in the game. Yep, that'll, that'll come in handy quite a bit as folks think through what can they do uh, to discourage other folks and find a way for lesser characters to move. Yeah, um, you know, the at first it seemed like a lot to take in, and, and of course, in actually playing the game, we find out it makes a lot of sense. It's it's very logical. Um, the the first part of the game that we get is the players draw for their order, and this is probably the one time in the history of the, gen- of the genius where Sangman does not get whatever the absolute best possible draw is. The best draw is is twelve. I mean, at the end of the the line, we find out you have such great control over the outcome because you can force ties, you can you can put one uh, character ahead of another. Sangman gets number two. We have Johan going first. We have, uh, or Johan, I should say. Now I'm calling him Johan because you always do. Uh, Sangman is second. Jungmoon is third. Hyunmin fourth. Then we get a block of Yuyun, Jinho, Junseok, and Kyunghoon, five through eight, and that'll that'll be important in a moment as they figure out their strategy together. Uh, Dr. Yonsung is nine. Uh, Lawyer Lim is 10, Dongmin 11, and Kyungran gets the 12 ball. Good for Kyungran. She spits hot fire, as we see from the emojis that surround her. Um, I'll note, though, that there's a chance that she doesn't keep 12, depending on how things work out, because one other rule there that we didn't mention quite yet is that if you choose, you can move all the way to the end of the line in the order if you forego your turn, uh, which gets a lot of attention in the planning stages. Everyone seems to be thinking through 
when and how will they use that opportunity to move to the end of the line. Uh, but then I was surprised at how little utilization that actually gets as we go through the game. Yeah, it is super important, and it takes a couple rounds for the players to realize how important it is. And I don't think, I don't think the players understood that this game could be over so fast. I mean, uh, theoretically, it could be over in two rounds if one character you know gets thirteen spaces in in two rounds. But three rounds is pretty fast. And if you're thinking this game might last six or seven rounds, it it might make sense to wait a couple rounds before you start jockeying for position so that, you know, for example, if you're in the five, six, seven, eight block with your alliance, then you can have the the critical twelfth turn uh, as late as possible in the game and have the most influence over its outcome. Yeah. And thinking that the players didn't understand is really the tagline of this entire episode. And we'll talk about it more as we go. But it's kind of fascinating to see an episode where, you know, we, we tugged on Superman's cape or, you know, Superman got hit by kryptonite in this one because pretty much everyone, as they're thinking through strategies, makes all kinds of errors that in retrospect are pretty obvious. And it's one of the first times that I can remember that where, you know, almost nobody with the exception of lawyer Yusung comes out looking particularly good by the end of this episode. Yeah, and even even she, you know, she looks good in how she played the game, but it's certainly a bad look for her that she didn't have a strong alliance, that she didn't have, she wasn't in the group socially like we've seen you you have to be to advance in the game. So um, the, yeah. the players start grouping up. We get the the classic uh, programmers group with uh, Jinho and uh, Yoan is added later, and and uh, Yuyan and Jun Seok and Kyung Hoon kind of winds up in that group. And then we have the it's 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 like season two programmers versus broadcasters almost because the other group we've got Sangmin and we've got Dongmin and and Kyungran and of course where there's Dongmin there's Hyunmin and uh, so we get we get all our classics uh, Jungmoon is in that group uh, Doctor Yeonsung is in that group Doctor Yeonsung is sort of yeah at the fringes of the group as we'll see as we get going here where you know as Dongmin starts working his calculations he realizes wait a minute I might have a problem here. I don't think I can actually protect everybody in this alliance. Well, which, so he's not yeah. hes not in the group as much as everyone else, but he's certainly opposed to the other group. Um, he's trying to be in the group, and he is still seeking Dongman's counsel in terms of, of what he should do. So he did, uh, I, I would count him as being a part of this group. No, I'm, I'm with you there. I was going to note that I think he played it great, actually. Like, he didn't, you know, it's what we expect from him. It's sort of one of his best skills when it comes to the genius. You know, he has that moment where as he's about to go into the room, he's basically saying to Dongman, what do I do? And Dongman says, I don't know. And he figures out a plan. He just says, okay, I'll pick something. I'll tell you what I've picked. I'll work with you anyway. He stays calm and it sticks uh, to the plan. Yeah, it treats him very well as he goes. He Keith nailed it. Yeah, very good. Uh, and at the same time, that alliance is trying to get everybody five points, except they want to get Sangmin four points or Garnets, I should say, so that they can all be tied together in happy Garnet land with seven apiece. Then they can all win the game and all be safe from the death match and force two from the other side into the death match. Yeah. And I'll, I'll pause your strategy, except the yeah. game, the game forces once, if you're working together, um, you're going to have fewer by, by choosing, uh, whatever two, uh, whatever two characters, those characters are in much scarcer quantity in, in the bag. And so this is a game where running the numbers is going to matter quite a bit. And I'd say historically, Dongman is great at a lot of things. I'd say he's not particularly great at running the numbers. So why is he running the numbers for this alliance when Hyunmin is there, when you've got other options? I, I found that very surprising. Why does Hyunmin leave the numbers to Dongman on this one? Yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, you know, as, as we see later on, there's not a ton of risk, no matter how it shakes out. There's not a ton of risk for strong players just because of, of how the players with one Garnet have chosen their characters that pretty much no matter what happens, one of them is going to wind up in a death match and, and based on how the characters uh, the character selections actually play out. So uh, it is one where if you're a strong player and you're not starting out in last place, you can be a little sleepy and, and still amble your way right through it. Yep, agreed with that. So... Uh, so the, the players join up and they start figuring out what they want to do. Uh, Dongman's group is going to choose the red vampire and the yellow gummy hoe. What is a gummy hoe? Uh, I think that's made by a gummy bear factory in Germany or something along those lines. I, I had no idea. Um, as usual, with a lot of the words that come out here, I, I was good with vampire. I was good with zombie. I was good with mummy. Uh, but Jiangxi, nope. Gummy hoe, I got nothing for you. Okay, here we go. Uh, according to Wikipedia, a, a, they spell it Kumiho with a K. 
is a creature that appears in the oral, oral tales and legends of Korea. It's a nine-tailed fox. Uh, the, a fox that lives a thousand years turns into a, a kumiho uh, can freely transform into a beautiful woman, often set out to seduce boys and eat their liver or heart. Uh, and again, the show that you think can't get any more misogynistic. Yeah, that, that, that got weird real quick. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And, and well, man, it's a Jingxi. Jingxi. Um, is it, it's a Chinese hopping vampire or zombie. It's like a reanimated corpse. It's, I guess, basically a zombie, but different. That one makes sense. I'm I'm good with that one. All right. More more so than the Gumaho, which yeah, but it's the same thing as the zombie, right? It's like zombie plus plus. I guess. Well, they, it must be because uh, people actually picked the Jangshi and nobody picked the zombie. But yeah, we'll, we'll get the zombie when you get a Jangshi. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. ten seconds later, we're Jangshi experts now. Like, come on, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> just stay away from those gummy hoes. They will uh, they will seduce you. They will smack you with their nine tails. They're surrounded by Pierce emoticons just all day. That's right. So uh, okay, so these these are our choices. The the Dongmen Alliance goes with the gummy ho and the vampire, and they are uh, the, again the idea is to make them first and second. Uh, Sangman gets the the mummy and the vampire, I believe, right? He took a vampire? Uh, that sounds right. I, Whatever. Yeah, he took he the one overlapping character. Yeah, so um, the, the idea is that if Sangman comes in first and third, and the rest of the alliance comes in first and second, then they're all okay. Now, I will say, I think a better strategy here is to split it up more evenly amongst the alliance in terms of uh, not everybody having the same two things, where if you, if you aim to have your alliance finish either first or second and third, if you can achieve that result, everybody's going to get three garnets. You can set it so Sangman gets exactly second place only. Um, and then he gets two garnets, so you all wind up at the same level. And again, uh, unless someone surpasses you, uh, you're going to win. Now, the risk, of course, is that someone on the other side happens to pick the characters they're going to finish in first and second or first and third, and one of them can surpass you. So, yeah, uh, I'd there, say there, that's that right. That's why one of the benefits here, if if the... Sangmin Kyunghoon Alliance had worked out. Uh, getting that information, like having a spy on the other team, would be crucial to trying to p- make the right choices here. Anything you can do to seed choices on the other team or to, to drive them towards uh, the pieces that you're not aiming for would be a huge help here. Doesn't actually work out that way, but I I liked Sangmin's thinking and trying to seed someone over on the other team. So the players pick their characters, and we begin the game. Uh, it is apparent uh, pretty quick that we are low on some of the colors that some of the characters are hoping will be in there. We get to Jinho's turn. Jinho reaches inside the ball and pulls out three zombies. Cue mysterious ways. It's time. We've got a Jinho moment, don't we? He did it again. Everyone's saying, oh, Jinho solved the game. Figured it out. That Jinho. Oh, cut to, does he do it? Cut to confessional, and he goes, "Ah, oh, yeah, it's a funny coincidence. Oh, I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. No idea." Yeah, it turns I, out I, the I, reason that he or anyone else is likely to wind up with three zombies is that nobody has picked the zombie as their own character, so all twelve zombies are still available to be picked. Yeah, just lots of zombies available for the taking. How does that happen? How did it? I mean, it's just a coincidence that no one takes the the zombie, or were they all <laughs> well, too tempted by by the Jangshi? Yeah, that's why, right? You've got a, a Jangshi out there. It's just better than the zombie in every way. <laughs> Who wants a zombie? I mean, maybe someone would take the Jangshi and the zombie as like a backup Jangshi. That's like Walking Dead style strategy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't watch Walking Dead, but uh, I know that it is it is based on a true story. That's right. That's right. The story of Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> Sorry, anyone who listens in Detroit, I apologize. It's a lovely city. So, uh, yeah, it's it's really great to to look at from Windsor. It's, uh, it's the way to do Detroit. So, uh, yeah, round one, they're they're picking their colors. Everything's going great, and White is taking a lead. the The zombie or the uh, mummy is taking a lead on the four moves square, which is great if you're rooting for Sangman, as literally all of us are. That's right. All of America slash Korea. 
I mean, how can you not? Uh, so, so he's going to move ahead. Green is very strong. Green is going to move ahead for two be- uh, for two moves because it is uh, all the pieces are green basically. Like you you can't you can't help but pull out greens and they've got to go somewhere. So somewhere the green is going to move. And in the one move space, uh, blue and green have tied with six apiece. The Jingxi and the zombie each have six, which means that red. The uh, the vampire, which has one coin, is going to move ahead and advance. Yep. And so what we see is that everybody's having some trouble reliably picking out the pieces that they'd like to be picking out, uh, which is not what we expected, given the way that the episode sets this up. So uh, we know there's a trick to the pieces. So the producers lay out in sort of a, an inset that they weigh slightly different amounts, but more importantly, they're different sizes, and some are magnetic and some are not. Uh, Kyung Hoon thinks he's figured this out, uh, but he's only figured out roughly a quarter of it, even though he calls the entire group into the room, uh, is immediately ready to give away his secret and then realizes after Dr. Yusun points out that what he's describing could apply to multiple pieces that he hasn't actually figured out anything. Guys, and, I figured out the secret that, that will help us win this game. Everybody come in so I can tell you. Let's tell every single person who's playing. Here we go. This will give whoever knows it a competitive advantage. Everyone come on in. Great classic Kyung Hoon. It's classic. It reminds me of my of my two year old. He's like, Daddy, look, look, this. What's that? Uh oh. Nothing. Never mind. <laughs> I want everyone to like me. Look, I found a thing. <laughs> Daddy, something happens. What? Oh no, nothing happens. It was nothing, sorry. Yeah, so we get Kyung Hoon thinking he's got it. Uh, whereas in the opposite end of the spectrum, uh <laughs> I, I, I just love this. Dongman d- has not figured out what the producers intended him to figure out. He instead figured out something that they didn't even think was possible and can, in fact, reliably tell them all apart. Uh, I, this is awesome. I love the fussy Dongman you know, subplot that happens throughout season three and four here. The guy definitely has that like amazing sense of touch slash perception in general. Yeah, he should be the oriental doctor. He could put the uh, acupuncture needles right in the right spot. It's pretty great. damn impressive. He's, like, he's got to be great at the game operation. And Dr. Yunsung could be the comedian if he talks about how oriental medicine uh, actually works. That would be pretty funny. But um, jokes. Uh, <laughs> we try to get uh, in at least one per per podcast. That was not it. That we're warmed up though. We're ready to go now. Get ready, um, everybody. The, uh, the the other point where this comes in handy that's sort of the picking out the. Uh, the discs out of the container. So we know quickly like they're trying to pick out of this giant container. Uh, and Dungman's senses of perception don't really work very effectively here. Uh, I've got to say, this is a total aside, but it just reminded me of that animated GIF, if you've ever seen it, of the guy on the sidelines at a college football game who's like very excitedly ringing the bell. Uh, if you know what I'm talking about, you probably get a kick out of this. If you don't, you have no idea. Don't worry about it. This is, we I, can just move on. But if you do, it's pretty I will fun. not worry about it. Okay, I'll send it to you later. You'll enjoy it. All right. Uh, so yeah, in round one, the uh, the vampire moves ahead one one space. The uh, zombie moves ahead four spaces, and the mummy moves ahead or moves ahead two spaces. The zombie does, and the mummy moves ahead four spaces. And again, this is something that is built into the game that I think the producers expected would matter more, and it turns out not mattering all that much. Which is the order of operations, which again in middle race uh, made me pull out all my hair. And in this game, the idea is that the the character that's moving one space gets to move first. So in a situation where uh, you've got a couple pieces maybe one step away from, from winning the race, all that matters is getting that, that one move. Getting four moves doesn't help you because you'd be the third character to move. So uh, this is something that I think could have very well factored into the game, winds up not mattering at all because of how it plays out, but something that I thought was a clever touch to the game, that the character that's moving the least moves first. Yeah, that's, that's right. It, it ends up being just... I, I happen to quite like this game. I think it's a really interesting game design. Yeah, it's a great game. It it reduces alliance size. You, you're not going to have a, a ten person alliance shutting out two people. Yeah, the the only sort of limiting factor here is the fact that you're locked in on who you've chosen before the game starts. So it it limits your ability to do a lot of wheeling and dealing unless you can really figure out the people who are roughly aligned with you and ideally have those people. Uh, be somewhat unique on the playing field. But there's also no way to prove what you are. I mean, certainly your actions speak 
loud that if you're if you're trying to help the gummy hoe, then probably you want the gummy hoe to do well for your own sake. But you can lie to someone else about what you have to manipulate them and to uh, to get a result that you want. But I, I think like the idea is how do you how do you build a game that forces fractures in the big group? Because in in the first episode we saw a situation where like had Sangman not Sangmond, you would have had 11 people freeze out two people and send those other two straight to the death match, which is, uh, you know, it's it's not super compelling. I mean, it's interesting to see it happen, I guess. Anything on the Genius is, is interesting, except Metal Race. But the idea is this game, you can't do that. If you had your beautiful, perfect 11-person alliance in week one, you can't have it now because if you're working together, that extra person is going to slip right through the cracks. Yep, it really makes the dynamics interesting, especially given that they've sort of pre-selected who they're going to work with for the week. Uh, this is another one of those uh, those games where having gone in with your alliance ahead of time really constrains what you're able to do. Um, but had they not made that choice, there would have been all kinds of interesting you know, defections and sort of room for intuition to play a role here in sorting out who's really playing with you and who's not. And going last matters more in that situation also, having that final control. If there are four different groups going against each other, if you've got four threesomes, who who can maintain that last spot the the best? Who can who can best handle um, that final decision that, that you get to make? That's right. And the final decision will always have some major value here. Uh, the one thing we realize as things go on, though, is that uh, some of the value of that final decision is mitigated by the fact that just you know, as people are playing pieces, those pieces are they're they're out of the they're out of contention. So when you get down to that final piece, you definitely can still sway things you know, a bit, depending on what's on the board and where there are you know close numbers of pieces. But you're limited by just really what pieces come out of of the bin and what you're able to play. I will say though, there were only one of the three rounds did we know exactly what Qran was going to pull because the first round we didn't know what pieces were even in play. In th- and in the third round, uh, Yoan had passed on his turn to go last in the fourth round that we're still he's still waiting for. Um, did he walk in the sea after Junghyun to to wait for the fourth round of or he? I, I, yeah, he he walked out of the country. Evidently, he just kept walking. Yeah. Uh, but in in that round, because there were there were ultimately going to be three discs not chosen, we still didn't know exactly what Kieran was going to pull. Uh, and I again, I think this is part of the game that that if the game plays out and it goes longer than three rounds, you're generally going to see somebody giving up their turn so they can go last in the following round. And so you're rarely going to get a situation where you know exactly what that 12th person is going to pull. It's true. It helps. I, I wish that we had seen a little bit more of that and more, more people giving up their turns to sort of skip and move to the end. Uh, just to add that additional variance there towards the end, make things a little bit more dynamic. But as it is, I'm still pretty happy with the way that this game played out. It just ends up being somewhat constrained by the alliance choices that people made up front and the fact that folks just didn't really uh, do the math in a way that worked out when they were actually in front of the board. Right. So, uh, let's see, round two. Um, round two, we get the uh, we get Lawyer Yoon-sun's uh, interesting move, uh, which is really all that happens in round two. That was round two, right? I have that in my notes as round two. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. I I think it's it's definitely worth noting here. I I found it to be pretty impressive. I mean, for someone who is not particularly known for her social acumen with the games, like she doesn't naturally you know, find herself swept into alliances. Mm-hmm. She does a great job of you know playing what Dom and Colin refer to in season two as sort of the Yoan game. So they're effective at you know, thinking through the long game. What can I do here to stay out of the death match? And Laura Yunsen does that really effectively here. She knows. You know, at this point, my best bet is to just not upset either of the sides because there are two very clear sides here and I'm not firmly a part of either of them. And for her, that's a good thing because she says now um, one of them is going to win and one of them is going to lose most likely. And I don't want either of them to be particularly upset with me. So if I make it seem at least like I'm kind of working with both of them, uh, I'll be in good shape. No one will have any real reason to pick me when there are much clearer targets somewhere else in the room. So good on her. It's a, it's a great move socially. It's a great move strategically. I mean, she's making it look like she's she's advancing blue when she's really putting uh, the Dongman Alliance in a position to advance white, which she also has. So, hey, great. Works out either way. Take either one. There's Sounds no downside. It. It's all upside. It's a great move. Uh, it's still, to me, mitigated a little bit by the fact that she couldn't get into either group at the start of the game, that, that she did not have the social smarts to... 
you know, she she was an outlier. Like, had that move not come up, she would have been an easy person for anybody to take to the death match. She would have been the least likely to have help if it were a, a social death match game. I mean, as it turns out, tactical tactical Nori, whoever you ask to help you was is going to try to help you. But if you wind up with like Quattro, for example, maybe you don't get the help you need. It's true, and I I mean, I can hear pretty clearly what you think about that. You put some of that on her for just not having the social game to get herself into an alliance. Um, I, yeah, part of it is that, and and you know, part of it I think also, and and we've talked about this before. I I don't know everything about South Korean culture. I know that's a shock to people, but I think part of it is just because she is uh, she is outwardly aggressive as opposed to someone like Kunran, who's a little more uh, passively aggressive, a little more or a little more secretly aggressive. That there's, I think, because she's a woman, it's she she has a harder time ingratiating herself with men who feel like they should be the ones who who get to have all the power and make the decisions and be aggressive. I yeah. I think if you if you stripped gender out of the equation, it, she's she's she'd do much better in this game because you wouldn't have uh, you wouldn't have the constraints that it seems that some of the cultural aspects are putting on her. Yeah, you know, there's got to be something going on if even Kyung Hoon can get on a team and Laura Yusun cannot. That that's got to ring some alarm bells. Well, I think part of it too is that uh, Kyung Hoon is more desperate to get onto a team. She wasn't yeah. desperate to get on a team. I mean, she maybe should have been, maybe not, but but Kyung Hoon was. You know, he he wanted badly to be on a team. He he's basically begging the entire time. Yeah, yeah. So uh, after round two, we have the mummy uh, on the doorstep, uh, five spaces away. Uh, you got to move thirteen spaces to get to the finish line. We have the zombie, which nobody has and nobody gets garnets for. The zombie is uh, has moved ahead four spaces. The zombie is uh, what is that? Nine spaces away, and nobody. No character gets the one-step move because there is a tie for first and a tie for second on uh, on that square. So after two rounds, we have uh, the mummy eight at eight spaces, the zombie at four spaces, and the vampire at one space. Right. So the plan is not exactly going, you know, according to what Dongman had hoped at the beginning of this, but he's still in a position to, you know, move forward with. One member of his alliance taking the win, so that being Sangman, who, uh, of course it is, he once again finds himself in a position where, despite the fact that he has betrayed virtually everyone on the team, uh, they're still willing to push him forward to victory, uh, just to preserve uh, having one member of the alliance come away with the victory. Yeah, so here we go, it's round three, the only chance for the, the mummy to take it right now is to get uh, four and either one or two uh, secured for itself. And the first thing that happens in round three, Yoan gives up his spot. He passes on on taking chips so that he can be last in the fourth round. Uh, still yeah, waiting. It's, it's, it's the first pass that we see. And because it's Yoan in a main match, of course, it's going to fail miserably because it has to. Um, I, I like the general thinking behind it, but it leaves out the fact that obviously the other team is going to now move heaven and earth try to wrap things up in round three as opposed to letting it wait until round four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's exactly what happens. The uh, Dongman side forces a 4-4-4 tie on the one between yellow, blue, and green, leaving the, mo- the white mummy with one token. That's enough to move it the first space. And there's no doubt on the four-move square, the mummy has uh, six coins, and the next closest has three so the mummy is going to win. Sangman is going to win. And as I told you when we watched this episode, uh, my initial reaction: this is like the most genius thing to happen on the genius. Uh, the only thing we're missing, I guess, is a huge betrayal. But you've got Yoan in a garnet match, winding up garnetless in last player. He's one garnet, but he doesn't win any garnets for the garnet match. He we we come to garnets and Yoan Yoan uh, bo- both loses, which is his tradition in main matches, and does not have garnets and loses because he does not have garnets. Meanwhile, we have Sangman, who has betrayed everybody, who is accepted back in everyone's good graces, and who just falls backwards into the victory because Sangman. Oh, it's, it's season two all over again. Things are working yeah. out just like they did a couple of years ago. It's just like, you know, you, if, when the episode started, you, you might have said, like, as a joke, hey, I bet Sangman's just going to happen to win. And I bet, hey, it's a Garnet match. Ah, ha, ha. Yoan's never going to win that. Well, you're right. That's 
That was it. Could have, could have saved yourself some time. Yeah, I mean, they, they couldn't have written it better. Basically, exactly what you would expect to happen if you came into this without watching it is exactly what does happen. Now, uh, the, the narrator explains to us that Kyung-hoon and Yoan made a, made a big mistake uh, and that, that simultaneously uh, Yoo-yeon, Jin-ho, and uh, Jun Seok made a great move uh, by aligning themselves with those two because in a Garnet match, if you pick the same two characters as someone with fewer Garnets than you, that person cannot catch you. So you are assured of not finishing in last place. And sure enough, in that alliance, because Jin-ho, Jun Seok, and Yoan chose red and white, there was no way for Jin-ho or Jun Seok to finish with fewer Garnets than Yoan. And because Kyung-hoon and Yoo-yeon picked white and blue, there was no way for Yoo-yeon to finish in worse p- position than, than Kyung-hoon. So no matter what, Jin-ho, Jun Seok, and Yoo-yeon were safe from last place, and Kyung-hoon and Yoan were exceptionally vulnerable. And what do you think? Did anybody realize that? I, I feel like they would have shown us if someone had their finger on the pulse of that from the, the beginning. But because they did not mention that or they didn't show us any confessionals where people you know, identify that specific point, it, it left me thinking that really no one figured this game out. Yeah, no Jin-ho, really Jin-ho would have said it. Uh, Jun Sayak would have said it. Yu would have said it if they were thinking that. I, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think they were. I think they could have just as easily put Yoan and Kyung-hoon uh, on one side and the other three on the other side. I, I just, you know, yeah, I, I agree. I think that's something that they definitely would have discussed had that been the plan. I think there's no way it was the plan. Yeah, and similarly, there's that moment there in the last round where Kyung-hoon makes a move that is in his own best interest and doesn't really particularly help the broader alliance as a whole. And I'm, I'm willing to give him credit there. Like I definitely think he did it because he was in it, it was in his own best interest. But once again, I don't think that he had thought about it any further than that particular move in that particular round. I don't think there was any magic to him saying, okay, I need to go align with Yoan because if I'm with him and we choose different things, only one of us will win, problem solved. If only someone had thought it through that carefully. Yeah, but hey, whatever. That's what happened. That's where we are. And Yoan is your loser of the Garnet match, and it's time for him to pick someone to face in the death match, and he picks... The same person I might have picked, actually, I think. I mean, would you have picked anyone different than Dr. Yun Seung? No, I mean, there, there's no one that really stands out as a clearly better pick here in this case. If I am, you know, coming in as Yoan, I, I feel good about every deathmatch I'm going to be in. You know, this is sort of my specialty. I'm going to be good at a one-on-one strategy game. Yu Seung, I mean, he has won plenty of deathmatches, but I wouldn't say that he has really... You know, shown that he's particularly incredible at them. So he sure, seems like a good syndrome. Pick. Yeah. Another third placer who, actually, all three third placers, you might not feel too scared facing in, in a death match. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with him there. Just in terms of the pick, it certainly makes sense. And given what we know about the death match structure this season, that, you know, you get to basically narrow down the pool of your death match options. If you're Yoan at that point, you've got to be feeling good because you've been demonstrated that you're especially effective at a wide range of deathmatch options. Yeah, yeah. So um, we get to pull some of the games out of the deathmatch, and we wind up playing Tactical Utenori. Everyone's favorite. Oh, I, I can just see you know, some genius fans we know shaking their heads in disappointment that I don't, we're I don't back hate to the Utenori table. Yeah, I don't hate this game as much as everyone else does. I think it's a cultural thing. I think if we in America had grown up playing, uh, or England or wherever you're listening to this from, had played Utenori, uh, this game makes more sense. You know, it's it's a, it's a strategy game. It's a level of thinking game. It's a, all right, I'm thinking, you're thinking on level zero. If I'm thinking on level one, I'll make all the right moves. If I'm thinking on level one and you know that and you're thinking on level two, you'll make all the right moves. If I readjust and play on level three, I'll make the right moves. And, and I, I, I find that interesting regardless of the actual gameplay, uh, just the psychology of it. We saw in season one when Jinho was playing as, as uh, first a couple times as someone's partner and eventually playing for himself in this game, his strategy is to figure out what the opponent's worst outcome is uh, to presume the opponent will try to avoid that outcome and to throw the thing that's best for him, presuming the the appropriate throw from his opponent, which is great play. I mean, that's a, that's an upper level of thinking. The the opponent is not thinking on level zero, which is what's best for me. Like, what's my what, you know what can I do to give myself a great move? The opponent is thinking on on the next level, level one. How do I avoid a bad outcome? 
right? So you're so Jinho is now thinking on level two of what do I do? Presuming my opponent is going to go for uh, for avoiding a bad outcome, and in this death match, uh, lawyer Yun Sung has figured that out, and he's up to level three of I know Jinho is going to throw the thing that he thinks works best against what what he presumes will be my throw to avoid my worst outcome. So yeah, we're in level three today, and and I, I see to me, I, despite the game uh, not being you know it's it's not like the sexiest game, but I, I find the psychology of it to be to be fantastic, and I really enjoy the way this plays out. And and this is one of those cases where you know Doctor Yudsung has done his homework. He's in good shape. He knows what Jinho's strategy was on this game when he had played it previously. If this is someone like Hyungran, who even was on the season where this game came out most frequently, you'd have to think, you know, this might go differently, right? The overall Jinho and Yohan strategy might be more effective because, you know, Kyungran does not seem to have watched many of the episodes, perhaps not any of the episodes after she actually filmed them. Whereas clearly, Dr. Were there there more episodes after Kyungran was on the show? It could be a no. Who knows? Unclear. There's no way to find out. Yeah, no. I, I, anything that bummed in Leontius has not subtitled. There might be like 18 seasons of the Genius. Who knows? Do you Who's think wa- Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you think the players wait until bummed did Leontius subtitles them to, to watch him? <laughs> just Yu Yen. He's just practicing his English. Yeah. There you go. Uh, but uh, before we we start the game, though, before we get to that level three thinking, each player has to pick a partner. And uh, first, if you're if you're Yunsung, do you take Dongmin or Hyunmin? I don't think there's another choice. Who, who yeah. would you have taken? I in that instant. So I actually am, am totally supportive of the choice to pick Dongman and not just, you know, thinking in retrospect here because it works out so well. Well, we're, um, I mean, it doesn't work out so well. It's, it's the best pick. Like, I mean, it, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, it, it was clearly the right pick. There's no doubt. This wasn't like he picked the wrong person who fluked into a victory. Dongman was so dominant. This, this had to have been absolutely the pure, correct pick. Yeah, it Dungman combines the fact that it's just he he understands these games with his overall skill at reading people and perception. Just that combination, plus he's got that just tremendous, you know, irritating ability to throw other people off their games, and all those things combine into what becomes an absolutely masterful deathmatch performance. Yeah, my first thought was, you know, we'll take Hyunmin. What you didn't take Hyunmin? What are you doing? Hyunmin's going to run all the numbers and know what to do. But I, I wasn't thinking. I mean, this is a game about psychology more than it is about the numbers. You you have to you have to know what the other team is trying to do, and you have to know what they think you're trying to do. And and for that, yeah, that that's that's a Dongman game. You know, that's uh, he got it right. I was wrong. I thought Hyunmin. I mean, Hyunmin may well have have helped him win, but certainly not to that level of dominance. This was just an absolute good old fashioned. Ass whooping is what this was. Yeah, and it sort of it, it reminded me a bit of confined scamming horse race from season one, where the fact that somebody is playing brilliantly is kind of disguised by the fact that he's playing it off, acting like a jackass throughout the entire game. Ha! So, yeah, exactly. Everyone loved ha ha in season one, and and Dongman is giving us plenty of ha ha has during this game. Oh, how's that for a segue? That, that was brutal. Um, Dongman's giving us plenty of just like loud obnoxious guffaws throughout the game. There's tons of pointing and laughing. He's doing whatever he can to sort of rile up and irritate, you know, team Starcraft, which despite the fact they've got all that, you know, one-on-one strategy game experience, it really does seem, I, I don't know if it's the, the laughing and the pointing that rattles them, but whatever it is, Dominic's performance just really seems to throw them off their games. They go on tilt. Yes, they were, um, uh, what's that word? Bad. They were very bad. I'd say that that covers it. That is right. Yeah. I mean, there's not much more to say about tactical Utenori without going to the chart of what moves do what. But uh, every every next decision Dongman made was was correct. And uh, you know, I don't want to take credit away from Dr. Yansung, who made the first crucial decision by making Dongman his partner. But also, uh, he was helping drive the strategy a little bit. He was deferring where he should defer. Uh, he was he was playing the part very well of uh, of Dongman's partner. I mean, he he you know, again Dongman was the superstar of this, but but Yunsung was in a position to disagree or to change his mind or to he 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 wisely went with it and uh, they they made every every right move. He also again he knew what Jinho's strategy was, and sure enough, we hear Jinho using the same strategy, which is um, kind of ironic that the Jinho Yoan team got caught. Uh, got caught using an old strategy that the other team knew about because that was how Yoan busted Jung Hyun 
in the final three death match in season two. He said, hey, I know how this guy plays the black-white game. He saves his, his big tiles for the end. I'm going to smash him up early, and uh, he won't be able to recover. So it's the same basic idea of I've seen you play before, so I'm going to take advantage of it. And Jinho and, and Yohan can't make the same adjustment of they've seen us play this game before. They've seen Jinho play before, at least. They know how Jinho plays. How do we counter-adjust for that and get to level four thinking? They didn't do it. Oops. Yeah, not quite. They weren't even close. And and with that, I'd say it ends up with a, a surprising result. If you'd asked me, you know, what's going to happen to Yohan in the first few episodes, I, I certainly would have expected that he would not have won any main matches and that he'd have roughly zero garnets. But I wouldn't have expected him to lose out in a death match this early in the season. So that was a definite surprise to me. Yeah, um, I guess uh, there was one sign that, that um, we shouldn't have missed, but I think we did. In the press conference they did before the season, Yohan wasn't there. <laughs> he, he was not there. He was not yeah. in the pictures. He was not drinking Coca-Colas with everybody. He was elsewhere, which probably should have been a red flag that maybe he did not want to have anything to do with the genius at that point. Yeah, I, I can only assume that his wife has him locked in a basement somewhere for a poor performance here. Playing StarCraft. Yeah, he's back. He's back. He's, he's chained up to a computer with a 56K modem. Just going at it, StarCraft, early 2000s style. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think his wife is probably just like, hey, did, did you ask the producers if I can play next season? Did you ask them? Did you ask them for me? And you know, you want sitting there with a look on his face, ah, whatever. Yeah, she she has shown her skill at the game. I would not mind seeing, you know, let's all... We need her, we need Haha, we need the, the fat kid from Super Junior. I don't uh, don't forget, um, gosh, was it Kyung Rang's managing consultant buddy, the guy who totally yeah, screws up the game? He was fine, but he's not as he's not as interesting as. Uh, I just whatever. I, I just like him because we have the same job. So Basically. let's let's get him back in there, fighting management consultant. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's a very special connection you guys have. Oh, so fine. before we wrap up, uh, I just want to talk briefly about everybody's chances of winning the game at this point. Um, and we'll do this kind of broadly today because I, I know that, uh, Mike, you have limited time. Uh, but in that first tier, most likely to win the game, I'd say we have uh, we have the three winners, uh, Jinho, Sangmin, Dongmin. Hyunmin's in that top tier. Anyone else you want to put in that top tier that really has a great chance to win the game? No, I mean, if you'd asked me at the beginning of the game, I probably would have put Yuyun up there, but yeah, he's been pretty invisible lately. Yep, uh, it, it makes it hard to justify. So I think I agree with your list as it stands. Yeah, it's pretty incredible that uh, I mean we saw in in Survivor All Stars season eight. Uh, spoiler warning: we saw that the winners get teamed up on right away, and I kind of expected that would happen again. That you know the the tagline for the season is you can't win in the same way again, and and that uh, and of course all three winners are doing exactly what they do, um, but. I, I thought there would be some sort of movement to oust them, and there hasn't been, and I don't see it coming together. I mean, the the people who you would need to put something back together um, aren't aren't there. Who's going to do it? Who, I mean, John yeah, Sayok I, and Yuyun, who probably could launch a counteroffensive, they're they're busy working with Jinho. So. That's right. You would think that Hyunmin could, but Hyunmin still seems to have have a pretty tight bond. But he's Dong in that Min. group. I mean, he's he's like an honorary winner. You know, everybody sort of knows he's he's a, at least as much a threat as any of the winners. So I don't think he can be part of that counteroffensive because if he's on your side against the winners, he's also your number one terror if you're on the non-winner side. So I think just sort of by his nature, he has to be. And the longer those four players get in the game altogether, you know, at some point they're going to be the majority. If if we get to the final seven and those four are all still there, well, <laughs> sorry everybody else. I mean, they're not they're not breaking up the band. Yeah, so to keep that analogy going, he's in the Cesarino slot here where he's going to get treated like a winner because he pretty much should have won you know, despite how the season actually played out. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so weird talking about uh, Cesarino and, like, Survivor Amazon and, and All-Stars just because, like, he's he's got you know, the podcast and, and he's so, like, connected to everything. It feels like, like it's, it's, at this point, it's hard to separate Rob the broadcaster from, like, how we felt about him in those days. It's, like, it's so weird because he was sort of our avatar in the game at that point. Yeah, it feels now, like for, a different world now. He is podcaster yeah. Rob as opposed to Well, like, I, I, again, completely, completely non-sequitur, but, like, the moment that he got voted out of Survivor All-Stars where he's, like, convulsing and, like, he's, like, squirming and he, he just like the, ugh, I could, you could feel that through the television if you're a Survivor fan who wanted to be in that spot that was like that was like psychosomatic that was painful 
That was, I mean, I know this is not our Survivor podcast, but that was it for me on All Stars. That that was my last episode watching that season. I eventually that went back. The last and episode it. I enjoyed was was with about ten minutes to go in that episode when it started to become obvious that this was not going to go well for again the the player who was sort of in the game to represent those of us fans who thought we were like clever little bastards who who might do well in Survivor someday. Yeah, and I I don't know how that works in Korea, but if there were all kinds of StarCraft fans who were on Team Yoan as opposed to Team Jinho, which I guess means you were a boxer fan and not a yellow fan, if I understand their nicknames correctly. I, I can imagine that they're just as devastated after this episode to see, you know, the former, the once and future hero go down at what should be his specialty, a one-on-one match where he just gets totally destroyed. Sure. Well, we didn't even talk about how Yoan was my winner pick uh, last week, but uh, that's <laughs> let's let's not talk about that because yeah, that we was, can skip uh, it. Was pretty yeah, there, there you uh, go. But yeah, I, I would have had him in that top group too. I think not because of anything we've seen him do this season, just because he he's a cockroach who survives and makes it deep into the game, and because again, presumably he's good at these one-on-one games, you'd think he'd have a real chance. But uh, no, one one bad draw, one bad game, and goodbye. So, yep. That's, so, that's that's my top my top group those four and then moving down uh, down the list I'd say in the next group you have Yuyun uh, Sayak, who I think is is not dead money at this point um, is there anybody else who who would not be uh, not be dead at this point let me let me look yeah, at my I, list here make sure I, I'm I think like, they're they're the two that I would also group there uh, there's a little bit of a drop down with me before I get to the next you know level of people. Yeah, that's got to be, feel that's like, gotta be the people who have some chance, not a great chance, but who also don't have a terrible chance. They're, right. they're, they're, there's your middle tier. Middle race. If this were middle race, they'd be doing great. Yeah, and then finally, you have the tier of people who aren't going to win. I mean, Yoon-sun, lawyer Yoon-sun isn't going to win. She doesn't have the social ties. Dr. Yoon-sung isn't going to win. He's going to keep getting picked for death matches. I mean... If he's the guy who Yoan thought he could easily beat, he, he, Yoan's not the only guy who's going to think that. And this death match isn't going to be isn't going to make Yunsung a scary opponent. It's going to make Dongmin a scary opponent. That's right. Yunsung is going to keep getting picked. I, I think we grouped Jung Moon in there because we already saw in the first episode that you know at least Sangmin viewed her as somebody who was expendable and that you could yep. you know hoist a card on. Um, I I don't I I still think that there needs to be another reserved level down below this even for Kyung Hoon who just has shown through two episodes to be pretty darn incompetent so far and does not seem to have any social bonds whatsoever. So I might just keep him one notch lower than everybody else right now. And but then I, finally we have Kunran. Uh, where, where would you put her? Would you put her? She's, I don't think she's in the top four group. Would you put her in the second group or would you put her in the, th- I see, I think she's a third grouper. I, I don't think, I don't think she's going to be good enough at, at death matches. And I don't think she's going to be scary enough of a death match opponent that she's going to be able to to slide all the way to the end yeah. again. I, I, I think, think she's in that third is, group with the other women. I mean, I guess, what is that, the women's auxiliary group? She is super smart, and I give her all the credit in the world for playing great in the games. I just, it, it, it's a real knock on her to me, just the fact that she probably doesn't have much of the context of the seasons that she wasn't on. Right, that's really important. I, yeah, I, I think if she did, if she was like a big fan of the game, I'd say let's put her in that second group, but as it stands, I think the third group's the right place to go. Yeah. So, all right. So there you have it. That is our lineup of uh, of how everyone is going to do. Thus speaketh Scott and Mike. Anything else you want to add? No, I'd say that's official. You can, we are notary publics as, as far as this stand. Well, you actually probably are a notary public, but I'm I'm not legit. You you as a former lawyer, you can stamp it and say it's official. Uh, no, I I didn't bother to get my stamp. Um, so ah. I apologize. But I believe, and I can check on this. I believe you do not need a notary seal to end a podcast. So for Genius Cast with Scott and Mike, I'm Scott Green, at who is Scott Green, along with Mike Botta, at Michael Botta, B-O-T-T-A. Go ahead, send us your tweets, send us your thoughts, send us your comments, uh, send us homemade cookies. I, guess. I love I can do that. Can you do that through Twitter? Is that, I, I love a good cookie, and I'm happy to find out. You could order us a, a special bread from Don Meehan. How about that? Nice. Well, I'll take a cookie emoji, too. I mean, that's fine. I can do that. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's it for us for this week. We will see you next week to talk about something involving fried rice, and uh, I have no idea what the other food's going to be. We'll find out. Talk to you next time.